Welcome into the Rebound Rundown. Today is Wednesday, March 8th, 2023. I'm your host, Paul Fritchner, and this is produced by Chatterbox Sports. This is your Daily Digest college basketball show where you can get your info on Cincinnati area college hoops every Monday through Friday in short episodes. Today I have an interview with college basketball analyst and bracketologist Rocco Miller who walked us through everything you can expect this coming Sunday for the bracketology, what you should be looking for, what you need to pay attention to as we get into the depths of conference championship week. But first, well, Norse up. They did it. The Northern Kentucky Norse won the Horizon League Championship last night, beating Cleveland State 63-60 and advanced to the NCAA tournament. It's the third time they will appear in the tournament and fourth time overall they've qualified for it, the exception there being 2020 where they won the Horizon League before the NCAA tournament was, of course, canceled for COVID. What a fun night at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. NKU was leading 33-30 at the half, and it was a tight game all the way until the end. Marquez Warwick led all scorers with 18 points, and Sam Vinson had a big night with 16. Chris Brandon added 9 rebounds. Look, I could keep going on and on about how much fun this game was to watch, but I'm going to have Rick Roaring on tomorrow's episode to talk about everything since he was there in person, of course, broadcasting it on the radio. Needless to say, NKU earned their spot and played like an experienced team determined to get back to the NCAA tournament. Congratulations to the Norse. I so much look forward to covering them as they get going in their run next week. Elsewhere, at long last, Louisville season is over. The Cardinals, just like NKU, had a three-point lead at half against Boston College in the first round of the ACC tournament, but they got outscored 49-28 to in the second half to get sent home. Louisville ends their season with a 4-28 and overall record. Let's hear now from college basketball analyst and bracketologist Rocco Miller. He walked us through these local teams and what they can expect to hear on Sunday during the selection show. Rocco, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Before we get into some of the local teams here in the Cincinnati area, I want to ask you just a general overview of the bracketology for people that might just be getting into college basketball this year or might be getting into the depths of college basketball this year with bracketology and everything else. When you look at the seating and how the NCAA tournament selection committee uh, puts teams in regions or how they assign teams to the first weekend, geographic preference, all that, especially when you're talking about a team like Xavier, that's gunning for a top four seed. How does the NCAA tournament uh, put all those teams in those places and prioritize? Yeah, so before the bracketing process begins, which is what you're talking about, um, you have to go through the process of building what's called a seed list. So 68 teams, of course, will make the NCAA tournament. Uh, You actually will rank every single one of those teams, one through 68. Um, They're done in different chunks and different processes. Uh, I actually just got done serving on a mock selection committee all last weekend, so we went through the exact process the NCAA follows. Um, So once you have that one to 68 list built, uh, which takes a couple of days, Uh, You can then begin the bracketing process. And for cities, of course, you have four regions, um, you know, in four different regions. And then you have eight sub regions for the eight first and second round sites. Um, So basically, you start with the very top team. So today, uh, let's just say that's Alabama. They would they would be going to Louisville, which is their closest region. And they would be going to Birmingham, which is their closest sub region. Uh, When you go, um, here's the caveat I think maybe Xavier fans are most interested in. 
uh, one through 16 on the list. So if Xavier finds himself in that top 16, like they were on um, February 18th, when the, when the committee gave us that bracket preview show, um, then you're actually just going in order of region first, not subregion. Once you get to the five seeds down, then you actually start to look at the subregion first, if that makes sense. So starting with the 17th team on the list. Gotcha. Okay, so let's get into these teams here. And we'll start with Xavier since we were just talking about them. Xavier right now is set has set themselves up for a top four seed, a protected seed, as they say in the NCAA tournament. They will play the winner of Seton Hall and DePaul on Thursday night at seven o'clock on the first uh in their first game of the Big East tournament, the quarterfinal round. Do you think in your mind, Rocco, that the Musketeers have already sealed up a protected seed, a top four seed in the NCAA tournament? And what kind of work do they have to do this week if they want to keep progressing up that line? Yeah, it's hard to just guarantee it. Uh, in my opinion, Xavier's 14th on my 1-68 to 68 list. So there are a couple spots inside, but I think a lot of people, and I would agree that UConn might belong above them. I'm basically keeping Xavier just above UConn for now because uh, on the on the committee, my, my goal is to guess the committee, right? So the committee had UConn as a 5 seed back on February 18th. Xavier was uh, a 4 seed. So I don't know if UConn's done enough since that date to pass Xavier's. You know, they both had some good. Xavier had a little bit of bad, but I don't know if it was enough to uh, have UConn all the way leap them. Um, but regardless, there's they're, they're like either one or two spots in. Now the teams behind them are teams like Virginia, Iowa State, who was a lot higher before. They finally just got a big win, but they also lost four games since the preview show. Um, St. Mary's is another team. They're playing Gonzaga tonight. You know, they'll pro- their profile will have to get a refresh if they win that game. Um, and then if TCU maybe goes on a big run in the Big 12, the, the issue there is, um, you know, what we learned last year and for plenty of other years in the past is the committee gets underway uh, pretty much beginning tomorrow morning, Wednesday morning. And so when when they get to work, uh, they by Thursday night, they're done with a lot of that seating process. When we have the Friday and Saturday games, they do what's called a scrub. If there's a significant result, like if Xavier lost to DePaul, that'd be significant. If, you know, if any if any of these teams I listed lost to a team way out of the field, you kind of have to go back and reassess. Or if one of these teams beats a number one team, you want to go back and what, do what's called a scrub. But if, if results are pretty straightforward and standard, not enough to shake things up, they kind of will just leave it as is, which makes it really tough uh, this week to, to, ha- to see teams pass other teams. So, um, for, so, so go ahead. Yeah. I'll leave well, it. I was just going to say, following up on that real quick, reading yeah. between the lines with what you're saying there. A lot of people talk about how the conference tournaments really don't mean as much as the general public puts stock into them. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, and it's unfortunate because I think, you know, all of us, our hearts into the college basketball, we want these games to matter. You know, last year we saw Texas A&M go on a big run to the SEC championship game. If you redid their resume after that game and took everything into account, they're pretty clearly a tournament team. Um, and they left them out of the field. There was other examples of that. Tennessee won that tournament which probably should have got them a two seed. They still left them on the three seed line. And basically all those things we had questions about last year was a reminder that the process, it's about the process and um, you know, some of their time constraints once they get to Saturday, getting everything ready to go for Sunday. Um, I I think they have the technology now to do more, but it's just the way it is. And there's no way I'm going to forecast it any differently based on what we've learned. So last question here about Zaber before we move on, I want to touch on the other three area teams here real quick. The uh, Xavier, the the three sites that everybody's been talking about, Columbus, Greensboro, Orlando, probably have some work to do if they wanted to play in Columbus, just because they're, you know, teams like Marquette are ahead of them uh, on that seed line. But 
Greensboro, Columbus, is there anything that you're looking at that that tells you, oh, maybe I'd keep my eye on that for Sunday night at six o'clock? Yeah, I, I think Columbus is probably out of the picture just because, um, you know, once you go through the three seeds, teams like Kansas State and Marquette um, don't have anything that close left because Des Moines will probably be taken away from Kansas and another Big 12 team above Kansas State and Marquette. So then Columbus gets eaten up. I think we all assume the first Columbus pod will go to Purdue, of course. So yep. it goes in order. Um, and most of the exercises I've gone through lately um, are, are you're usually left with just Al- Albany and Orlando. Uh, but you also have a couple of times lately uh, Greensboro has been open. So I'd say those are the three most likely. Gotcha. Uh, do you think they could get to a three seed or is a, a four seed probably their cap? Probably the cap, just because, uh, just because you know, I, like I said, they're, they're not going to play a big game on Thursday. They're just going to play a game where they handle their business. And by yep. Friday, you know, I don't know if they'll play anybody as significant. Just pulling up the bracket real quick. Yeah, Creighton would be a nice win, but it's not. Uh, you know, they're like a six seed right now, so it's not like beating a team at the top of the board. Yep. So they probably. I, I just feel like they're going to be set at a four seed unless they lose that first game. Then they might be looked at as a, a slip down to the five. Gotcha. All right, let's move on now to Kentucky. Rocco, what do we make of these Wildcats? They've been all over the place this year. It's been a roller coaster of a season right now on Bracket Matrix. They're a sixth seed. They're the second sixth seed on the S-curve on Bracket Matrix right now. But what's going on with the Wildcats? What's your read on this team? Uh, Well, obviously, they're playing much better ball uh, down the stretch. Not uncharacteristic for a John Calipari team, right? So uh, they've obviously figured out some rotation things and and really started to gel finally uh, down the stretch. And really, from a bracketology standpoint, you can only look at what they've done. You have to take the good with the bad. Um, But a lot of the recent good has saved them quite a bit. And they've picked up some wins that really moved the needle in terms of sweeping Tennessee, a win at Bud Walton Arena over Arkansas, a win um, at Mississippi State, who's also in the field right now and probably will make the field. Um, and also even just beating Texas A&M, who was, who's been sizzling hot since January, um, matters. And so, um, you know, they've got other wins as well, like Auburn, et cetera, at home. Um, and so, you know, you ba- you're basically comparing Kentucky against a bunch of these seven and eight teams that have – some of them have bad losses as well, and their wins aren't as good as Kentucky's. So because of the strength of Kentucky's wins, they were able to bypass uh, the teams on the eight and the seven. I feel really solid with them at a six today. Okay. Uh, do you think that they could move up even more up up until like a five range, or does that go well, back to what we were talking about earlier? Yeah, it's possible. They they still For me, I have them probably one spot from the matrix. You said number two on the six line. I have them number three on the six line. Either way, we're very close. Yeah. Uh, but ahead of them directly, I have Creighton, San Diego State, Miami, TCU, St. Mary's, Iowa State. I don't think they can pass Iowa State because the wins are, there's just so many wins on that profile. TCU's got ridiculous wins. They won at Kansas by 20 plus. Uh, Miami won their league. San Diego State won their league. St. Mary's is the number one seed in their league. So it just feels to me like those teams are going to be really hard to pass in, uh, in a short sample size this week. So I'm going to say uh, six is probably still the ceiling. All right, let's head on over to Cincinnati now. Of course, it would take a run to the championship to win the title in the American Athletic Conference for UC to get into the field. But if they do that, that would mean that they probably have a win over Houston and maybe a win over Memphis mixed in there. Um, If UC was to pull off the miracle this week and get it done, what kind of seed do you think they would be looking at? Yeah, I think they're for sure probably a 12, um, maybe upside to an 11 if there's more upsets other places. Uh, but right now they would 
you know, with that improved profile, I'm assuming they would beat uh, Houston as well. I mean, if they if they get a Houston win, all their numbers are going to go up. Their resume strength is going to skyrocket, um, and it's going to go above anybody who's a 12 now. Probably, I think our strongest 12s today are Oral Roberts and Drake, um, maybe Charleston if you include them. Um, so, you know, we would need another upset or two to get room on the 11 line for Cincinnati. But again, a, a neutral court win over Houston would instantly skyrocket the, skyrocketed them over teams like Oral Roberts and Drake, who have nowhere near that level of a win. And if they beat Houston and Memphis, I mean, we will have to take a clean look at that again. Maybe they are above some of the teams above the cut line at that point um, and to get into the 11 seed conversation, but certainly no lower than a 12. All right. Last question here for you. Northern Kentucky, I'm leaving this in the pod. If they win, we're recording this about three hours away from the Horizon League Championship. If they lose, I'm cutting this out. But if the Norse beat the Vikings tonight to win the Horizon League, do you think that they get on the 16 line or are they higher than that? For today, they will be um, probably the highest of the 16s. So again, if there's upsets other places, all they need is one more upset. They could get into the 15 line. But I think they're right now the bottom 15 seed is UNC Asheville. Um, and they're clearly behind them right now. The uh, net for Northern Kentucky is at 161. A bunch of these teams, 15 and above, are much closer to 100, if not in the top 100. It's not about their net, but that's just one example. Their their strength of record is 143. All their power numbers are in the mid 150s, um, and they don't have any wins in the top two quads. Even though the Cincy win was great, maybe that does land in the top two quads if Cincy goes on their run. Uh, but I, yeah, in general, I think Northern Kentucky just needs one more league to to blow up uh, and have an upset winner, uh, and then they could get a 15. Rocco, people can find you at Rocco Miller Eight on Twitter. Anywhere else that you'd like to pub uh, for your work? Yeah, so bracketeer.org is my website that I own and operate. Uh, doing my best to keep that up to date each day, but Twitter is definitely updated all, all the time. Um, and with with such little time, sometimes I'm just throwing the bracket on Twitter. So check both of those places. Uh, when I do a full post, I'd love to make it educational so we can answer questions like that right there in the article, uh, the ones we covered, Paul. And then uh, furthermore, uh, I'm part of the Field of 68 Media Network, and we, are, we have a big week ahead. Uh, we will have shows... Uh, I believe tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday for Fielding the 68. Um, I will be on Friday's show uh, at 5 p.m. Eastern. And then Sunday, uh, we're going to be on live during the selection show reacting to uh, the selection. So that's actually really unique. And if people are really into this, please tune in. It's it's pretty cool. Well, Rocco, I appreciate you being on the Rebound Rundown today. And uh, let's talk again soon sometime. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Around the country, Pat Kelsey and Charleston punched their ticket to the tournament with a 63-58 win over UNC Wilmington to claim the CAA title. Number 9 Gonzaga had no trouble with number 16 St. Mary's beating the Gales 77-51 to win the WCC. Oral Roberts also easily cruised into the tournament with a 92-58 win over North Dakota State to win the Summit League. Those were the auto bids on Tuesday, and the only other game I want to mention is Virginia Tech and Notre Dame. The Hokies beat the Irish 67-64 in what was Mike Bray's last game as head coach of Notre Dame. Today, conference tournament week really gets going. The MEAC, SWAC, Big 12, Mountain West, Big East, Conference USA, Pac-12, SEC, and Big 10 all begin today. Also, The Southland Championship is at 5 on ESPN2. The Patriot League title game is at 7.30 on CBS Sports Network. And the Big Sky Final is at 11.30 on ESPN2.
Paul's Pick of the Day, presented by Betfred Sportsbook, was a winner last night with Northern Kentucky. Congratulations. I just can't say it enough. The Norse, good for you. I love it. Can't wait to watch you in the tournament. Norse up. Today, let's go with Seton Hall, minus six against DePaul in the first round of the Big East tournament. That'll do it for today's Rebound Rundown. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.